Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. On today's show, we're taking a look at economic drivers. When we speak about a healthy economy, it's a result of production that exceeds consumption. Consumption can grow too, but if that consumption exceeds production, then something else is feeding the consumption. Maybe people are consuming by dipping into savings, or perhaps they're consuming by taking on additional debt, or maybe they're spending their capital gains. There are numerous segments of the economy that depend on debt for day-to-day transactions. If borrowing is not possible, or it's too expensive, then no transaction will occur. Think of the auto industry or the housing market. Back in the 1970s, the headlines were about how the Japanese cars were more fuel-efficient and how Japan was gaining market share from the Detroit automakers. Today, the conversation's about interest rates. And yet somehow, you have people driving $100,000 pickup trucks who you would think should not be able to afford a $100,000 pickup truck. We're living in a world where increasingly the narrative around investing is dominated by central bank policy rather than economic or business fundamentals. A lot of people are comparing the current bout of inflation to the 1970s, yet we've got some stark differences between then and now. Back then, the federal debt was about 30% of GDP. Today, we're at 130% of GDP. In the 1970s, there was talk of the government falling into a debt trap. That didn't happen because we underestimated the ability to inflate the money supply and devalue the debt. But the real story is the level of debt being carried by individuals and corporations. Let's look at one simple case. Last week when I was in Dallas, I took an Uber from the airport. The driver was in his 20s and he was driving a Tesla. I asked him how he was able to buy a Tesla. He had spent $60,000 on the car and was using it primarily for his gig as an Uber driver. Now don't get me wrong, I can see a number of advantages of driving a Tesla if you're driving for many hours a day. A Tesla has a lot of features that reduce driver fatigue. The cost to charge the vehicle is less than a gasoline car. But still, it's a $60,000 car, and he financed the purchase with debt. His interest rate on the vehicle was 3.5%, and his payment is nearly 1000 a month. That means he's driving for 10 days out of each month just to pay for the car for the next five years. Even at 3.5% interest, this driver is spending nearly 50% of his earnings on debt service for his vehicle. Maybe he's still living at home with his parents, and maybe he has few other monthly expenses. But the question is, is this an isolated case? I don't think so. The current combined debt in the United States sits at over $70 trillion. That includes government, corporate, personal, and real estate debt. That's about three and a half times GDP, and we've just gone through a decade of record low interest rates. Debt has grown dramatically in that decade, and the ability for individuals and companies to sustain the higher debt service is questionable. I predict we're going to see a rash of bankruptcies in the coming years as a result of higher interest rate policy. Companies have been buying back shares in order to reduce the number of outstanding shares and maximize their earnings per share. These share buybacks were largely funded by increasing corporate debt. Debt traps are all over the economy, not just at the federal level. The number one threat to assets of all types right now is the cost of capital. It's going to crush corporate earnings, the value of the bond market. It's going to hurt real estate. It seems like nothing is going to be spared. We have consumer debt sitting at $16.15 trillion. And while Jerome Powell is clearly tightening monetary policy, we see the European Central Bank and the Bank of England returning to stimulating the economy with new liquidity. 
The fact is, if you look back over the last 30 years, we're a society that's become addicted to bubble economies. We had the dot-com bubble in the late 1990s. We had a real estate bubble in the early 2000s. We had an everything bubble in the late 2010s, which included cryptocurrency, real estate, and some emerging growth stocks. During the last decade, we've seen a dramatic shift where we've experienced significant underinvestment in commodities of all types, and we're feeling it most acutely in oil and gas. We're on the cusp of experiencing a global energy crisis. Bankers who have traditionally funded investments in commodities have recognized that almost all commodities are cyclical in nature, and bankers don't want to be left holding the bag during those down cycles, so they choose not to invest at all. That's why bankers are bankers. They're not business people. Bankers are not in the business of taking risks. See, it feels strange and uncharacteristic for me to be the purveyor of negative-sounding predictions. Those of you who know me well know that I'm the eternal optimist. We're in the first inning of an economic downturn that, in my opinion, represents a down cycle that will require three to five years to emerge from on the other side. This is going to be a period filled with uncertainty, some wealth destruction, and new opportunities that investors cannot see from their current vantage point. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.